Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hey, welcome to the Truth Lies Shenanigans podcast. Social commentary, hot topics, and amazing guests with a ton of fun and shenanigans along the way. Today, we have some really interesting discussions. We're talking about the Turpin family who was rescued from one hell only to be thrown right into another while in foster care. Then Canada creates the equivalent of government-run crack houses. <laughs> Not quite. Oh <laughs> and that new suicide hotline number 988 launched this month. Will it help? Before we get into the show, let me introduce you to my co-host today. First up, our gamer, tech guru, and rock star with the rock band Fallen Machine. Coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Mr. Rob B. Rob. <laughs> What's up, what's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. Um, I had a bit of a stressful week. I was back in the office for the first time since the mask mandates were lifted. And, you know, I'm in the office because I'm scheduled to be there while most of the other staff have elected to be there. So my comfort's not quite the same. My comfort level's not quite the same as theirs. But uh, this week is looking uh, up. Uh, We're looking forward to celebrating uh, my father-in-law's birthday. And Mm -hmm. we're planning a poolside barbecue. And for the big guy, because he loves to swim. But on a really kind of further fun note, I started playing Stray on the PS5. Have any of you seen this? Stray? I haven't seen it, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, so it was uh, developed by Blue 12 Studio and published by uh, Annapurna Interactive. But you take on the role of a stray cat who falls into a portal and you end up in this post-human world inhabited by robots. So you have to navigate your way and just learn how the world works. And it's really neat. Uh, it's a lot of fun to play. And you kind of get the perspective of a cat. I know. So, <laughs> I like so that. there's even a Twitter like channel that. that's dedicated to <laughs> Dr. J. To their owners play Stray. So we decided to see if our cat would react. Nope. Zero Fs given. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the veterinarian loves that. <laughs> She's like, I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, next up, our college student, actress, model, entrepreneur, streaming from Atlanta, Georgia, Miss Gianni Storm. Hey, guys. How are you? So it's been busy over here in Atlanta. It's really busy, but it's been fun. I've been, my business has been growing. You guys might start seeing posts um, from me in regards to my, my business, but I've just been really busy. I've been really busy. And then on my downtime, I've been... Um, tending to my plants. I now have watermelon. I have mm. strawberries, onions. I have all these herbs wow. in my little apartment. <laughs> it's fun. Um, Amazing. But, yeah. Other than that, and then trying to watch uh, Netflix here and there, speaking of, you know, pastime. So it's been a pretty <laughs> mellow summer. I love the summer, but I, for some reason, feel like I want Christmas to come. Like, it's weird. Like, I want, I want it to be... <laughs> I mean, it's like a I long like way to go. Five months <laughs> yeah. away. Five months away. I just had to look at the Christmas calendar. in July. <laughs> Christmas in July, right, Dr. Day? All right. <laughs> and our veterinarian, pet lover, and mother, streaming from the Washington, D.C. area, the one we lovingly call Dr. J, Dr. Robin Johnson. Hello, everyone. Hope you guys are having a great week. It's been another busy one. It's been hot this week. So a lot of heat-related things going on in the vet world, but trying to stay cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Definitely been hot. So are you seeing like a lot of like heat stroke and all that stuff going on? Heat exhaustions. Heat. Luckily, I have not had a really bad heat stroke, but, you know, there's been some that just been in the hospital when I wasn't there. So, um, yeah. you know, definitely a lot of heat exhaustion. So. Oh, wow. Have yeah. you talked about breeds that were more susceptible to like heat strokes at, at this time? Have we talked about that already? We touched on it a little bit last time I was on. Um, so you have any of those short nose breeds. Um, so your Frenchies, your Bulldogs. Um, so any of those short nose breeds, older dogs are definitely more sensitive to the heat. Um, babies yes. are more sensitive to the heat, sort of like with humans. <laughs> yeah. Same yeah. groups. Yeah, it totally makes sense. It does. All right. And of course, my name is Neo Nix, and I, I didn't do much this week outside of uh, work. <laughs> but I did start to catch up on uh, the only reality show that I like to watch with my wife, and it's called Married at First Sight. Oh, my goodness. Do you, you watch it, right, Gianna? You watch it, right, Gianna? I've seen it, definitely, definitely. What about you, Dr. J? I know Rob doesn't watch it. I have not get to watch much reality TV, but I know about it. Uh, like, I hate reality TV, but for some reason, I like Married at First Sight. But my problem, <laughs> but the problem I have with, with this show is, like, they change their episode link to some ungodly two to three hours per episode. So, like, yesterday, I spent five hours to watch just the first two episodes. Oh. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, it, it was in length motion picture. <laughs> I was, I was like, I'm like, I just can't, I, I almost didn't watch this season because last season it was a struggle to watch. I mean, I just don't have the time for like a two to three hours show. So it's a long show. That's, that's too much. No anyway. kidding. All right. If you're on a Facebook page, we share the WTF of the day. Random stories that simply make you go, what the? F-? Well, on the podcast, we're now going to bring you our TLS WTF of the week. Gianni. WTF. I remember Olivia and I on Unscripted used to do like these crazy food challenges, and we even ate the world's hottest gummy bear, and it was horrible. But even still, <laughs> I would have not. I would not try this. So actress Lupita Nyong'o was at a high-end event when she ate an ant-covered canep or ant-covered fruit. Um, she comments that it's really good. How? And not, <laughs> she said it's not even crunchy. <laughs> so, now, <laughs> so now people have always eaten insects, as we know, especially as a certain cultural traditions. Um, so my question to you guys is, what bug-filled treat have you guys tried? And also, would you try this? Bug-filled treat. <laughs> okay, we'll start with Robbie. <laughs> All I'm right, curious. so, I mean, full, full disclaimer, I was Boy Scouts, so, I mean, I, they weren't treats. They were just the bugs as they were, and you learned to consume them in a survival situation. But yeah. um, Science North, um, I know when I was a kid, they had confections, so just candy that had different bugs and crickets. Uh, some of them, I think, had scorpions and stuff in them, so I... I've eaten all kinds of stuff, and this looks delicious. Like I would have scarfed that down without hesitation. <laughs> Absolutely. And humanity needs to be real. Insect protein is going to become more common as the years go on. It's going to become a main staple of our menu. Let's be honest. I um, saw that, Rob. I just didn't want to put that in here because I was like, please. <laughs> please. It, it, yeah, no. Dr. J? 
Okay, I've not intentionally eaten any bugs, but I do know that there are several dyes that are made from bug parts that we consume on a regular basis. So I guess I've unintentionally eaten lots of bugs. Wow. And I know that, you know, every year when the cicadas come out, there's always a big like, gastrointestinal thing where they saute them and put them in chocolate hmm. and stuff. Um, so I, you know, don't want to intentionally eat a bug. Um, I feel like <laughs> eat the frog and eat the bug in the same day. No. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. So, I mean, apparently we eat bugs like all the time, but, you know, because like in our food, in our food supply, they're supposed, they're allowed a certain number of bugs anyway. But yeah, I was watching this TikTok the other day and um, what it did is it took a slice of banana and put it under the microscope and there was all these little microscopic worms and stuff floating around in there. And I'm telling you, man, I think, and then, then they, they took off the skin and then they, they looked, they put the skin under the microscope and these little bugs on the, like the bottom of this. I really am having trouble eating, but I love bananas. I'm having trouble eating bananas right now. I'm, I'm not even lying. I'm really having trouble eating bananas. So apparently that's my bug covered treat that I've been, I've been eating for years, but you know, I, I'm, but I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the video. I'm like, what it, it'd be funny if like some of these were just like picnic ants and everybody thought they were eating some fancy covered fruit. And they just right. eat some random ass ants on their fruit. <laughs> that would be hilarious to me. It's still a protein That's supplement. A <laughs> what about you, Gianni? What was your bug covered <laughs> treat? I don't think intentionally I've had a bug covered treat, but I I would try. I would try. I've always said if I go to a foreign country and that's like a delicacy, it can't be anything wormy though. Please, no wormies. <sighs> like, no, you think you gotta stop eating bananas? Then that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> stop eating them. I've always wanted to do the Amazing Race, and I think there's always some bug eating challenge on the Amazing Race. So, yeah, I remember the old Fear Factor and starting eating craziness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. With, with sorry, remember with sorry, ask Joe Rogan to massage them, massage the earth out of them. Otherwise, it <laughs> massage the earth. You know, channel your inner Puma and Timba. <laughs> from <Yeah>. Lion King. <laughs> All right. All right, let's go ahead and get into our hot topics of the week. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Ah, B, you're up first. Tell us about these legal crack houses in Canada. Oh, Lord. Right. <laughs> he cringes every time I say it. <laughs> There's a little part of me that dies on this every time I hear that. Um, but basically what my story is, after several years of planning, a safe injection site has been opened in my city, the city of Greater Sudbury. So the new site's going to be run downtown by uh, Eisenhower Organization, their local harm reduction group, and it's going to be located near the Sudbury Courthouse, which is close to our downtown core. So those unfamiliar with the term of safe injection site. It goes under many other names, including supervised consumption services, overdose prevention centers, fixed rooms, medically supervised injection centers, and drunk, drug consumption rooms. Some of the services that are in, included at these sites is access to clean drug use equipment like needles, uh, drug checking to see if, if the drugs contain more harmful substances like fentanyl, which we've discussed on the show previously. Uh, emergency medical care is available on site. Basic health services, so if anyone comes in with a pre-existing wound, they can receive uh, treatment. Uh, testing for infectious diseases like HIV, hepatitis C, uh, STIs. So, I mean, there are a number of services that really get 
put in that people get put in touch with um, access to referrals, social services, housing, employment services, uh, rehabilitation services, and access to drugs and healthcare for um, for recovery. So, Neil, if you wouldn't mind just pulling up that other graphic for me, real quick. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. There we go. So this is just a graphic from Infogram where they just listed some pros and cons, and I just wanted to list them off real quick. Uh, so under the pros, they give addicts a safe place to inject drugs, increase access to health, health and social services, help prevent overdoses. Uh, they help reduce the stigma of addiction, decrease the spread of disease, and it can save the city's time and money. Cons might encourage drug use, challenges federal drug laws. Um, studies on safe injection sites might not be reliable. And they may bring crime into the surrounding communities. So with that preamble. I can imagine please, a lot of crime. <clears throat> so please share your thoughts uh, on safe injection sites. And follow-up question, how would you feel if your city opened one up in your neighborhood? Uh, why don't we start with Dr. Jay on this? Yeah, this is a hot topic. I mean, because there's several um, cities here in the United States that have done not quite the whole injection Um place, but, you know, have gone out into the community with needles and testing kits and things like that. And I mean, on one hand, I mean, the epidemic is so high, folks are, you know, just dying. There are cities that have, you know, how long it's been since an overdose has happened, and most of the time it's zero days. Um, I can also see the other part of it, you know, I can say as a mom um, with teenagers, um, you know, the concern of the crime that may be coming along with it um, and also the people and their intentions, you know, just, you know, I think, you know, as a mom, you worry about like, you know, who your child could possibly be exposed to unintentionally. Um, true. I think that, you know, it's, it's a necessary thing. Like, you know, we have to do something. And if this is one way of attempting to get people clean, um, but, also keep them safe yep. because communicable diseases yep. are very high among drug users and those do spread out into the regular community because it's not just drug users that they're encountering or having sex with or things like that. So, um, you know, you're looking at herd health in my world, um, you know, yep. herd health and keeping the community safe in that sense. Um, but it is definitely a hot button topic and it's like, you know, on one hand, you're like, well, yeah, if you can have it in a place, but then, you know, these addicts are in your neighborhood. I mean, you may not be happy about it being next door, but these addicts are already next door. Um, but, you know, I wish, you know, hopefully maybe they, like keeping in a certain distance away from school or certain distance yeah. away from um, other places. Like I would say, like in my world, you know, we have drugs that we have to use in these animals. And so, you know, we don't want somebody coming into our business, causing crime in our business, trying to get a high. So it's kind of hard. It's like, I, I see both sides of it. I mean, I think overall it's good, but there's a lot of other. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Johnny? I have mixed feelings. I do think that if done correctly, like Dr. J said, I think that it could be, uh, a success in, in getting people treated and recovering. The reason I have mixed feelings though is because I haven't necessarily, I haven't lived the life of, uh, obviously I'm not a drug abuser. So is it for the people that are in that situation? I wonder if it really does like is a stepping stone to their recovery. recovery. Um, and I would like to like 
actually take the time and to research if that ha- has helped people. I know that there was during this article a person that has come has come forward and mentioned that it's changed her life. This type of uh, do you know about the statistics? Do you know, Rob? Uh, no, because this this is still pretty new, so I I couldn't speak to the overall success as empirically. Um, so no, I don't really have any numbers that I can share with you uh, at this time. Yeah, right, Johnny. No, at first, at first, I did think it was counterproductive because it was like you're hosting the very thing and encouraging the very thing that people are trying to avoid. But um, when I did further research, I like that Rob said to you know to try to break the stigma of it. You have to do more research into it. But there are some cons that I feel like they didn't mention. Um, the con could be also what if all well not all but what if the majority of drug users don't go there. You know what I mean? What if they, even if it is meant for them, what if they feel like, like, what if it just doesn't work to reach enough people? You know what I mean? So I feel like the people that are really like wanting to help themselves would go there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I don't see how, I don't know. I think it's a good step, but I just don't see how it could transform people. Yeah. I know. I, I know I keep referring to them as like crack houses and drug dens and I know it, it bothers Rob, but to be honest, Rob, when you first told me about this, I was. It's the first thing I thought of. I mean, it's it's what it, I pictured in my head. The opposite of it is right. Exactly <laughs> it's it, it's intended to be the opposite of. I get that. I get that. Right. Um. But it does remind me of like those old opium houses and in, in you know back in the day where you know they used to sit around and just do opium all day. Um. You know that's that's the picture that came into my mind. Or you know and this is the picture a picture of like you know the drug dens that that happened. Those were the pictures I had in my mind. But then when you realize these are the drug dens and they're, they look so awful. I mean, dirty, nasty, you know, drugs all over where, I mean, it's just unhealthy. Dangerous. And then when you look at what it actually looks like to be in one of these sites, it's a totally different atmosphere. I mean, you do get a sense of safety and a sense of, um, you know, that there's a potential to help these individuals uh, at some point or, or at least change you know, the thoughts or, or change how they see it. Um, so I'm not going to say I'm against the idea. I mean, given the current alternative with all the crack houses and dents out there, I mean, and it does, yes, it, it could create a bad element where kids and stuff are, uh, you know, you know, in danger. Um, and, and that's the stigma that we have behind it. But this place would be something different, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could, it could still lead to some sense of crime, but these are all supervised um, facilities. Yeah. so. But you know, I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of documentaries like on Netflix about drug use, and that these folks are going out and doing this type of work. Um, you know, providing the clean needles and providing the testing kits and stuff. And it looks like, I mean, at least the documentaries, and you know, they are, all have their skewed viewpoints. But it does look like it does help. I think it's the question definitely is going to be like, who's going to go to it? I guess it's like homeless shelters. You know, like there's homeless mm-hmm. shelters, not yeah. everybody goes to one. And I think Definitely. it just has to be kind of combined, like you have this site, but I think you also need the outreach. You need the people who are going into the dark, yeah. cramped, ugly looking places, finding these people because, um, you know, there is still a lot of stigma um, about it. There's, the addiction is real. I mean, it's an illness. It's, I mean, yes, on one hand, like no one starts you from doing drugs, but those that are addicted, it's just really sad because it just destroys so many the family. It just but destroys you know what, the Robin? There, there are, you know, and that's one of the stigmas too, where people, you know, no one's born into that situation. No, some people are 
absolutely born into these situations. It's yeah. they learn, they pattern from what's around them. This is their life. This is their reality. And, you know, the system has failed them because these parents kept custody of these kids and messed them up, messed them absolutely up. And the gate, the main gateway to drugs is trauma. It's not marijuana. It's not alcohol. It's trauma. And trauma. that's it. You need to, I like the, the idea of the safe injection site just as a point of contact. This becomes a safe place. And if this is the first safe place that these people have encountered in years, then you can have, you can start having a dialogue. And if the trust is there, if the dialogue is there, there is a long-term plan, but it's not like they're snatching people off the street and saying, Hey, we're going to get you clean. You got to shoot up here first. No, Mm -hmm. it's to make sure that these people are safe, that they are being taken care of. And I know that a lot of the medical resources, the medical team resources are squandered with just responding to overdose calls. So if you have people in a safe injection site and you have paramedics on site and you have the naloxone kits on site and you have trained personnel on site and you're testing the drugs for purity before they inject it. So, hey, we found this much fentanyl in it, uh, you know, probably should use maybe just a smidge of what you normally would use. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think that there's definitely a lot of benefits to it. And I, and I appreciate what people are saying, you know, not that I think it was Jacqueline who put that up uh, online saying, you know, NIMBY, not in my backyard. And mm-hmm. I totally get it. This is something that's important. It's something that needs to happen. And again, if the proposed site was up my street, I would probably have mixed feelings about it because this brings in, an element, an outside element that may not necessarily have been there before. But the sites are selected based on proximity of where the drug use is actually already occurring. So there's already a population there that they want to serve, that they want to connect with. And the fact that they chose something that's close to the Sudbury Courthouse, there's definitely some commercial traffic, less residential, but there's definitely some residential in the area. But, you know, in, in most cities, if you want to find the crime in a city, go downtown, right? I just, yeah. I, I mean, I just want to say, I, I think my big concern is that if it came to the U.S. is that we find a way to monetize it. And then instead of helping people get off the drugs, big business will start finding ways to get more people doing drugs so that they can profit. Like with anything else, if there's money involved, you know, people, especially in the U.S., will find some way to pervert it. But that's my biggest concern about it here. And, you know, I like it. There are already cities that do that. Yeah, and they're, right. They're already doing it. Right. But. Yeah. I just feel like in t- in time, it's just gonna. It, it doesn't matter. It's gonna be. It's gonna be perverted here. If in the right hands, if if, if done right, like I said, or in the right hands, it, I don't. When has anything it. in this country been in the right hands? <laughs> you gotta leave the feds out. <laughs> oh, shoot, some of these states. Shoot, yeah, at least some of these states out of it too. I'm telling you, yeah. they'll, they'll find a way. You, you let, let let one of those things go to go to Florida or Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How that see how that works? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, is this truth, lies, lies, shenanigans? Some good stuff, Rob. Truth. That's some truth. That's some good. I mean, it, you know, as as many concerns as I have with it, I think it's still a good thing. I mean, it's definitely a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. and it's and it's certainly better than what. It's better than what's out there now. So, <laughs> well, that's it. The, the hard enforcement approach on the war on drugs has proven to not work as efficiently as they 
originally anticipated. So we need to try alternatives. We need to do different things to help these people. Absolutely. No question. All right. I'm up next. So let's get into my hot topic. Truth, lies, shenanigans. So many of you guys may remember the Turpin family in 2018, where Jordan Turpin, who was 17 at the time, escaped from the home, from their childhood home, and contacted police who ended up rescuing them from the severely abusive parents that they were with. The children ranged from 2 to 29, and, were, and they spent most of their time indoors. They were regularly beaten, starved, and chained to their beds or locked in cages or closets. And their parents, David and Luis, were eventually convicted and are serving 25 years to life. So, you know, nearly five years later, you'd think, fast forward, you'd be hearing a story of healing and redemption. But apparently, they went from one hell to another. Some of the children were placed in a home where foster parents, Marcelino and Rosa Olguin, and their adult daughter, Lenny's, abused them even more. A recent lawsuit alleges abuse that included forcing them to sit in a circle, to recount their previous abuse, telling them they were worthless and no one cares about them, pulling their hair, hitting them with a belt, striking their heads, forcing them to eat excessive amounts of food until they threw up, and then forcing them to eat their vomit. Foster father allegedly sexually abusing multiple female siblings, and that's not even everything. All three of the adults were arrested in November and are facing multiple charges. So my question. How in the fuck does this happen? How do we save children from such an awful situation only to have it continue or get worse? How does this happen? Let's start with Rob. This is just uh, awful. Uh, those parents, I mean, just chemically neuter them and lock them up and let the present population take care of them. Uh, unfortunately, this isn't the first time that we hear this kind of story, Neil, because children who fall into foster care fall prey to some unsavory characters who slip through the cracks, through the vetting system. And I mean, child abusers are really the worst of the worst. I think we have a pretty clear consensus uh, on the show about this. Um, but, but, you know, with all of that being said, I do applaud foster families who take good care of their wards because they're a much needed resource and a system that's broken. But if you want better oversight, you need better resources and you need a good implementation plan. That the current system absolutely fails often enough that there needs to be some type of sweeping reform. They need more home inspections to root out abusers. They need better vetting systems to root them out. And there needs to be more boots on the grounds. Uh, at, at the end of the day, my heart goes out to these poor kids. And I hope that the lawsuit will help bring them some much needed reform and, you know, just some solace and some kind of healing for the family. But I hope it brings about some kind of reform in the system. Yeah. What do you think, Johnny? I almost feel like cases like this happen so that it can get so big that something can be done about it because this is insane. And for it to happen in just in 2018, like I was thinking, oh, 1996. Yeah, I thought it was a while ago, too, actually. No. Yeah, it just happened. Um, It's extremely sad. I, I ended up getting a little bit hooked into it and watching some of the documentaries and stuff to know more about it. But this case was considered one of the worst, one of the worst cases of abuse in the United States. Um, but I think to answer your question, Neo, how this could happen, well, clearly the, the system, it was mm -hmm. the um, child net and the foster care, foster care system more specifically. But um, like in regards to their previous case, like when they were with their family, I do think that it was people's lack of intuition because they kind of saw 
the kids in this scenario, they saw the kids were a little... You're saying with their biological parents? Yeah, with their biological parents. I think that the people around them failed them. I think their neighbors, their aunts, uncles, like the people knew what was happening or they didn't know for sure, but they just, they let go of and negated any signs of things like that. So I think everybody failed them. But I think that these type of cases happen for a reason in the bigger scheme of things and the things that we don't know, because I think that it brings um, attention to one children and how these foster care, the foster care is handling things like that. Yeah. Dr. J. It makes me angry. I mean, as a parent, I cannot imagine one, the first set of the abuse that the kids suffered under their parents. Like, how can you do this to a child? And then secondly, to go into a system that's supposed to quote unquote rescue and save you. And then it abuses you too. And we hear, I mean, it's not the first time that we've heard about foster care abuse. These children are not looked after. These foster care workers are overworked. They are, like have 10, 20, 30 cases to one person, and one person cannot simply um, do the oversight that's necessary. Um, it is just, you know, just how broken these children could possibly be from this because you have no you know, you're supposed to feel safe as a child. You're supposed to somewhere, like someone yeah. is supposed to make you feel safe. If it's not your parents, someone else is supposed to make you feel safe. And these children have been failed on all fronts. Um, to speak with you, Gianni, about like, you know, people, the other people around failing. I remember a very distinct case that happened here not too long ago of um, a family and the children were found to be unalive later um but my you said unalive yes they had been (laughs) killed by the parents um my son's therapist lived next door to the person and Mm. for a brief period of time and she you know recalled when she found out because the people had moved away and that's when they had found them so it means that during a period of time though when she lived next door to them those children were there she said she never saw a child. She never knew there was a child in that. She didn't house. know there was a child there. She wow. at all. You know, she spoke to the woman kind of as neighbors over the fence, but, you know, didn't necessarily get too deep, wasn't invi- invited into their home. So not always, I mean, not always are, are the people around you privy to what's going on. Um, but, you know, I know how devastated she was when she found out what happened because she was like, if I knew there was a child in there, I would have done something. But she said, yeah, I never knew there was a child in there. And Aww. so it's just, I just, like I said, it just makes me angry on all points, on all sides. Like one, these children were abused by their parents. Two, you go into a foster care situation and these children reported this abuse to yep. Their person, they did. And person did not act on what was going With, on after and, after they reported three years. They still kept them in that situation. Yes, and after the first so, report, you know, it's like foster care is it, the system needs a complete overhaul. Um, even with the good families, they're still, they need support. You know, I have, I have yeah. friends who are foster parents and they don't get the support that they need. So there's a complete overhaul that needs to happen. And if this lawsuit brings about that change, then I hope that they can start to heal. I mean, how can you take a situation where you have, like you, like you said, Gianni, one of the worst abuse cases in history, and you put those children into an abusive situation. If anything, you would they would be your poster children 
right? Yeah. They would be your poster children, the ones that you save, that you, you know, as a company, as a, as a, as a city, as a county, whoever manages this foster care, you would think that they would be poster children, that you would take care of them above and beyond even the ones that are in your system, which is a shame, but at the very least. So that, that tells me that the system is even worse than we think, because if these should be your poster children for successful foster care system, then what in the world are the ones who are not your poster children dealing with? Exactly. Oh my God, this is, this is, this is, and, and you know, we've, we've heard about it for years. And I mean, you, you remember, I don't know if you remember Annie from the, the Broadway musical and the movie and all that stuff. I mean, I, matter of fact, I, I think I realized because I used to cry all the time when I'd watch that um, movie back in the day. I, the, one of those movies that would make me cry as a kid. And I think that's Aww. affected me as an adult you know, realizing, you know, children in orphanages and things like that. And that's why children, I think, mean so much to me. And of course, what I went through as a child. But I mean, this is ridiculous how you could go from, you know, being locked up in cages and chained for most of your life to then even worse, sexual abuse. And then the same same type of uh, abuse where you're you're being emotionally and physically abused. I mean... It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and so I don't know what we do. I don't know how to figure this out or, or how to resolve the situation or how to fix the foster care system. I mean, we can advocate all we can want. We can yell and scream and get angry, but nothing seems to change over the years. I mean, it's been, shoot, back we in the... On the ground. I think Rob said it or Dr. J. One of you guys said we need we more people. Like, people need to be on working on it. They're, there's too much um, kids to one person working on it. So, I think I, I think if I were to start a um, and I, not start but or support, I need to start supporting more um, nonprofits, yeah. and I think that's the one I would focus on is child abuse. I have um, one small suggestion: uh, the U.S. government spent eight hundred and one billion dollars on their defense budget last year. Can we just trim it down to an even eight hundred and give a billion to the kids? This one. Um, that would be great. Yeah, a couple of comments wow. online. We've got to get in. So Sherry Blaine Savory says, absolutely have zero tolerance for child abuse. Where's the accountability? Parents punished, for sh- parents punished sure, but the foster care system needs an overhaul. Um, and she also said, um, she also said the children were failed twice. Jacqueline Robinson, what kind of law and order SVU craziness is this? An right. overburdened foster care system is a breeding ground for predation and abuse. Absolutely. Absolutely frustrating. All right. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Truth, lies, shenanigans. Unfortunate, heartbreaking truth. Yeah. This is straight up bullshit. Shenanigans in this foster care awful, system. Awful. They need to fix this foster care system. What are you saying, they Mark, do. Dr. J? Yeah, they are full of. Okay, yeah. bullshit, too. All right. All right. Yeah, we got to do something, guys. We got to do something. All right, Dr. J, you're going to be up next. We got some heavy topics today. Some hot stuff going on. Truth, lies, yeah. shenanigans. Dr. J, you want to talk about this new 988 hotline? What's going on? Yes. So hopefully, maybe a breath of fresh air and hope that we debuted a 988 uh, mental health suicide prevention hotline. Um, it is going to hopefully, I think, eventually replace the suicide phone number to shorten this to like a 411 type um, 
number for people to remember. Um, yeah. Right now, it has um, has support. Um, unanimous, like both sides of the aisle, have given support to it and at least preliminary funding. And 21 states have also, um, you know, pledged to have funding for this um, hotline. So, you know, the question is, is this hopefully uh, pushing a shift towards like the mental health status and that, you know, making it easier for people to receive the help that they need, and then also in turn, could it potentially reduce some of the interaction with law enforcement that goes unsavory when dealing with um, crisis, mental crisis? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've seen plenty of cases where people have inadvertently been shot by the police um, in response to these. So, can we switch this to professionals trained mm-hmm. in this field to help these folks instead, and maybe reduce? some of those things all around. Oh, interesting. What do you think, Johnny? Um, well, I think that, I think they'll accomplish the goal, you know, by having, because it's a shorter code. I mean, it's a shorter number. It's a telephone it's, number. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to remember. Like it's 911. Yeah. It starts with a nine, all of those good things. But I mean, I, I just hope that they get the resources. I'm just, I, whenever it comes to like things like this, I take it very serious, especially with mental health and suicide. And I really, really hope that they get it right because I know that there's been, and even I'll share a story. There's, there's been a time when I, you know, called like a mental health crisis line when I was a teenager and the call dropped a few times. So there's been times where, and it wasn't like because of my area, it was because of like, maybe there was like a lack of personnel or lack of, I don't know, but I just want them to actually get the the lifeline right like and have people calling have and i know that has to do with funding i know it has to do with you know boots on the ground so to speak so i just want them to get that right and i'm all for it i think it's a great i think it's a great idea and a great step forward yeah i would agree with you um you know i still want more like dr j was saying i mean this is definitely important and valuable and i think it will help um you know 988 you know you if you're having suicide or crisis but this is more of a personal, um, you know, this, this hotline's been there forever. It's just now easier to, to get to. Um, but I'm with you, Dr. J and, you know, I'd like to see more with the mental health resources with police departments because it still doesn't deal with the issues, you know, when they come up. I mean, because the first people, when you have a mental health crisis and, and somebody needs help, the first people you call is the police to come deal with it. And they're not, ready for that. Um, and, and I don't know that this 988 solves the problem, you know, because, you know, if the person's running around in the streets naked, right, you call 988, <laughs> all they're going to do is tell you, hey, try to calm them down, blah, 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 blah. They're not going to, it's going to, they're going to do what the hotline has always done. But what I'd like to see is when you call 988 with someone having a mental health breakdown, that they also have access to mental health resources that can come and respond physically as well. You know, yeah. that's what I'd like to see I, in, instead of the police coming to try to yeah. deal with that. And, uh, you know, like I say, I, I, I like the step that we're making towards it. I still think it needs to go a step further than it is. Um, so that's my thought. Robbie. Uh, I think it's a brilliant idea. Three numbers versus 10. Do I dial triple eight? Do I dial eight, six, six, 800? No, I dial nine, eight, eight. This is, this is wonderful. Um, yeah. And I think that anything that helps people to immediately 
connect with individuals and resources while they're in crisis is a good thing. I mean, there's there's only benefits that come about from that. Like Johnny said, from a tech perspective, you want to make sure that you have a system that can handle the volume of calls, and you want to make sure that you have the human resources available to handle that level of calls also. Um, like Dr. J and Neo, uh, one of the rabbit holes that I kind of went down as I was thinking about this is as we're talking about, you know, the conversation has changed, just defunding the police and, you know, how we want to, yeah. our police services to respond to things. So I agree. I mean, if 988 can become an alternative or a separate resource, because like you were saying with your example, Neil, if someone's naked running down the street and there's a 911 call and there's a 988 call, well, somewhere the system is going to marry that information and go, okay, so yeah, maybe we need a police unit and we need a mental mental health crisis unit or yes. just specialized uh, staff. That's what I'm looking for. You know, specialized individual within the um, police force you know, at, at, the, at the police station where it's just like, okay, yeah, so send car 52 and then we're going to send the, our, our community response team out. Go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would like to see it handled that way so that at least at the onset, <laughs> you can de-escalate a situation with a trained professional rather than escalate a situation by drawing weapons. We've seen way too many people killed in those exact situations. Right. Dr. J, right. final thoughts? I mean, definitely. I mean, that's, uh, I'd like to hope that that is eventually the road that it's going to go down and that, you know, you need to have these alternatives. I think at this point we need to open up and we have to start thinking outside the box because traditional ways are not working. Traditional ways are keeping people under thumb and not getting help. And if this is going to be the start of it and hopefully it can expand, my concern is definitely that only 21 states have signed on to really continue on this. So, you know, I fear, I fear that the states that don't want to acknowledge that they really need it are going to be the ones funding it. And then most folks in that states are going to be in a lot of trouble. Wow. So only 21 states. That's, that's not a lot of states. That's not even half. I know. That's crazy. I'm surprised at that. I'm surprised at that. Yeah, that's not even half. All right. So, is this true lies or lies shenanigans? Triple true. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I, now, this is a great thing. They rocked it for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. It's, it's it's this. You know, much like uh, you know Robbie's story about the <laughs> the drug dens that aren't drug oh, dens. Gosh. <laughs> you know, they're both, they're steps in the right direction. I mean, it, we're, it doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't fix it. But, you know, unlike our foster care system, <laughs> those are both steps in the right direction. So it's, it's really good to see. But at least the kids took the initiative to sue them. So, I mean, that's a technically a step to some type of reform, some type of change. It's something. Get them in pockets. Yeah. That's, all, that's, that's where you can get them. I, I, hope they, I hope they get millions, hundreds of millions, because they'll deserve yeah. it. All right, so it's been a tough day of topics, but they were really deep. Appreciate that. So we're going to have to lighten it up again <laughs> a bit. Today's game is Have You Ever? Let's get into it. All right, so we're going to lighten it up. Have You Ever? This is how it works. This is how it's going to work. We'll spin the wheel, and each of us, I'm, in, I'm playing today, each of us will be asked, have we ever done something? 
To get a point, you must answer the question and tell the story behind it. If you never did whatever it says or refuse to answer or won't tell the story, you get nothing. The person with the most points wins the final thought for the show. All right. Who's ready? Who? Let's see who's going first. I'm going to start with Gianni Storm. Gianni Storm. We're going to spin, Gianni. See what you get. All right. Have you ever thrown up on, it says fun fair ride, but a roller coaster. Have you ever thrown up on a roller coaster? No, but I've seen somebody throw up on a roller coaster. Does that, <laughs> so no, no, no point for you. Wrong no. answer. <laughs> I hate roller coasters. All right. Robbie Rock. Have you ever, have you ever met a celebrity? Uh, not on the show. Not on the show. <laughs> not on the show? Yeah. Not on I mean, the show. I've, I met the, actually, I met Helix backstage. Helix? Yeah. They're, they're a heavy metal band from like the 80s, 90s. Okay. All right. Okay. So when was this? Sorry. When was this? Uh, this was about, I would say maybe 12, 15 years ago. Would have been at Summerfest. Uh, at the time, my friend Marky and I were in a band called ID10T. And we were just a two-man acoustic uh, piece. We did covers, and we were just the filler on the main stage. Uh, the motor came to really like us. And uh, so that's how I got to meet a lot of people backstage. Nice. Okay, Rob. Right. Nice story. All right, Robbie. Oh. Robbie gets the point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dr. J. If <laughs> you ever pooped in your pants. Maybe as a baby. <laughs> and you got to tell the story if you have. How did it happen? Oh, uh, okay. So, kind of. <laughs> um, oh gosh, this see, this is embarrassing. Um, you don't have to tell it. I mean, you can you can take the take the loss. <laughs> okay, so kind of sort of, but um, I spent a summer in Thailand, and there are a mm. lot of Asian toilets. Mm. You know I know what an Asian toilet is. <laughs> Is a hole, kind of much more of a hole in the ground. Um, but there's some that flush, there's some really, really nice ones. So, um, <laughs> if you can imagine food, street food in Thailand, um, can sometimes oh, yeah. not agree with you if you are not used to that um, flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, inadvertently, there may have been an incident trying to. <laughs> All right, we're going to give you that point. That's a good one. That All right, this is for me. This is for me. I hope I get something good. Ever hurt someone on purpose? Mm. Like physically? Does fighting count? I mean, I, I guess I fought with someone, so I hurt them. It could be uh, emotional, too. I, I, okay, so I, I... Physical, emotional, sure. Hurt is hurt. All of it. On purpose? Yeah. On purpose. So, no, I don't think I... I mean, I, I th- I've hurt... Yeah, I hurt someone on purpose by fighting, so... Um, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, so I fought with my brother when I was uh, younger. Because uh, I don't know, he's he you punched him. What's your brother? Mm-hmm, I punched him a few times, and yeah, kind of, kind of beat him up. It wasn't just because he was my brother. He was doing. He was being a little mean to my my mother and sister. I beat him up. So. Oh, okay. that's, that's a whole different story. We don't have to go too deep into it. I, I told my story. I beat him up. <laughs> Not really badly. I didn't mean he didn't have bruises or anything, but I, I did. I did hurt him. Hurt him. Is this the same? Is this the same brother that gives you tickets to these concerts? No, my older brother actually. Nope. Okay. 
<laughs> I mean, I have stories behind. I probably heard him on purpose too. <laughs> All right, GI Storm. Have you ever eaten food from the trash or bin? Oh yeah, actually, that's embarrassing, but it's it's happened. So I've thrown out probably recently. Um, so I've thrown out food. <laughs> like if I ate fast food and I threw it out and I didn't mean to throw it out and I threw it out prematurely, I, I might. So you go in, you dig in the trash. That sandwich that was wrapped up. Okay. Once, like, as long as, as long as you're not like I've seen, I've seen some people go in the trash and eat other people's food. So. Yeah. Oh, no. we, we give you a not point. Johnny diving. <laughs> not John. All right, Robbie. All right, all right, all right. Oh, celebrity crush. Have you ever had a celebrity crush? Well, who hasn't had a celebrity crush? Right? right? Come on, man. You, 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 want a, you want a new one? I'm going to give you a new one because I don't like it anyway. I'll give you a new one. <laughs> All right, have you ever been in an earthquake or tornado? Um, so definitely not an earthquake, despite the fact that Subaru is on a fault line. And we're not prone to tornadoes out here, but we are prone to dirt devils. So when I was a kid, I would ride my dirt bike just down the back trails and stuff. And when you would see a dirt devil coming down the trail, that was just an invitation to just peel your bike through that thing as many times as you can before we dissipate. <laughs> it's, it's basically a little tiny tornado. So I'm going to give it to it's the biggest tornadoes we get here. <laughs> Although there was a tornado in Sudbury in 71 or 72. So two, two more. All right. We're, we're going to give you that. Yeah. We're going to give you that one. <laughs> that right. Oh, have you, Dr. J, have you I ever accidentally <laughs> set something on fire? Totally. Um, <laughs> When I was little, I accidentally set the carpet on fire, and I was terribly terrified that it go run and tell my dad, and he's like stomping on it and cursing at the same time. <laughs> wow, I had a similar story. That's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, All right. Robbie and Dr. J tied up. All right, let's see. This is me. I've ever, oh, have I ever been fired from a job? I've been fired once from a job, one time. So it was when I was making the transition um, I used to be a CVS store manager a long, long time ago, and I was trying to make a transition into software development because that, that was where I had, you know, my, my education in and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm trying to make that transition. And uh, uh, they had these headhunters, right? And so the headhunter was like saying, hey, you know, I got this job for you and you, it looks perfect. And I was like, uh, it's a senior level position. And I'm like, uh, I'm looking for more mid-level. <laughs> And they're like, you can do it. You can do it. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I get there and I'm like, I have no idea. I can't. I mean, I could do some of the stuff they were asking, but the stuff they needed me to do, I couldn't do. I mean, they were really nice about it. They When they fired me, they're like, um, you're not the level we want, but, you know. I was like, okay. And I, I said, I, okay, I understand. Don't worry. Uh, you know, but. I but told every- you. I told you. <laughs> I told you. I told you. <laughs> but, but anyway. All right, so let's start. Good, that's really good. <laughs> so that's a point for me. So I'm tied with you guys. All right, all right. This is the last round. <laughs> Gianni, have you ever peed in a swimming pool? Just need like a story. But he has has peed in a swimming pool. Yes. Um, I peed the last time I peed in a swimming pool. That's probably the last time I've been in a swimming pool. yesterday (laughs) Johnny was like yesterday (laughs) that's the most answer thank you Johnny that's amazing (laughs) years ago I don't remember we all do it in the shower in the pool I'm gonna go ahead and give it to you (laughs) I'm gonna get that one (laughs) all right 
So, Robbie, <laughs> you're up next. All right, all right. Robbie, <laughs> have you ever cheated on a test? I have. Um, she yes. said, I have. Yes. <laughs> Johnny. Yes. Um, so, you know what? It's, I, yes, I have. And I'll tell you about the time I exploited the system. So, <laughs> we were told that we were, we were allowed to use one index card to write down our notes. So we were allowed to bring one cheat sheet in. So at that yeah. point, at that point in time, for some reason, 3D movies were just still like a big thing with the red and the blue lenses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my friends and I start. I wrote in red, and I wrote in blue, and I brought 3D glasses to my test. Oh. So I doubled the amount of content. Oh. Genius. <laughs> wow. That's just ingenuity. I know, right? <laughs> Rob, you gotta watch Rob V. But then I was told to ditch the I was told to ditch the glasses, which made it that much tougher, but there was still twice as much content on my <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right, Rob V. Good. Dr. J, last question. Have you ever faked an injury? No, I injured myself too much on per- um, by myself. Injury by myself. Wrong answer. <laughs> so my wife was, we were just on a, we were on a uh, plane the other day. I mean, uh, our last trip we went on, she had an injury, but she could sit, but she decided to bring her cane along with her. And we got into the front of the line and everything. They were wheeling her around. We got, it was awesome. Anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Last one for me. All right. I got to try to tie Rob B. Oh, oh you're so lucky, Rob B. <laughs> the question is, have you ever sexted? I have yes, never. With your wife? I have never sexted, even with my wife. So that means, Rob B, you win the game. <laughs> Robbie boy. I was, I was hoping I was going to catch up to you and win this one. All right. All right. Let's get us some shout outs. All right. So let's start with, let's start with Dr. J today. Okay. I'd like to give a shout out to Ooh. um all my coworkers working hard in the ER because um, our air conditioner has been on the fritz <laughs> so it's been hot in there so oh. give a shout out to Rocky Gorge keep it cool y'all you be cool <laughs> alright Robbie Rock oh my shout out is to the men's 4x100 uh, leader team at the 2022 World Athletics Championships in Oregon so the Canadian men's team took the gold with a time of 37.48. 37.48. U.S. came in second at 37.55 in Great Britain. Why are you so laugh, smiling so hard? Three. Well, I know so, that. Are you cheesing? Half a second between the top three finishes. Half wow. wow. That's like, incredible. He's cheesing so hard about beating the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gianni Storm. Shout out. Um, shout out to my little niece. Her name is Ihesi, um, also known as Luna. Her birthday is tomorrow, July 25th. I love you. She's turning five. Yeah, she's turning five. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and my shout out goes to everyone out there dealing with something heavy. We all have our good days. We have our bad days. And I'm hoping that every day has something good in it for each of you. And that is officially all of the time we have for today's show. 
I'd like to thank all of you guys for joining us. We hope that you maybe learned something, gained a new perspective, even got some things off your chest. We will be back live next Sunday with our new time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And it looks like our winner for the final thought of the show was Robbie. Robbie, close us out. So, yeah, with all those topics, be kind, be cool. You never know what stressors someone else might be enduring. So just... Yeah, love each other, people. All right. Thank you, Robbie Rock, Gianni, Dr. Robin Johnson, aka Dr. J. But most importantly, thank you for watching and listening to our shenanigans each and every week. We will see you next time. Have a great evening.